Welcome to Women Wake Up, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency into a divine feminine state of love, harmony, abundance, and joy. On Women Wake In, we begin the journey to wake in from the illusion of needing to prove our work into the divine experience of knowing our work. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has experienced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On this Identify and Heal solo episode, I'm back and I'm re-recording what is the fifth sword in my series of the eight swords of self-entrapment inspired by the eight of swords in tarot. I had recorded this a few weeks ago and then my computer crashed and I lost it. Yet I know that this fifth sword, which is the sword of shame, will be just as wonderful and brilliant because divine intervention, right? So there's a reason I lost the original and I hope this one is just as helpful and informative as the other. So take a listen and enjoy. Hey everybody, Whitney here with an Identify and Heal solo episode. Finally getting to sit down and re-record this fifth in the series of my eight swords of self-entrapment that I started a few weeks ago, quite a few weeks ago. As you all know, my computer crashed two weeks ago. I had recorded this episode. I was just about to upload it when my computer went out and when I put everything on my new laptop, this episode had disappeared. So here I am again recording it and I know it will be fantastic. So this fifth sword of self-entrapment is the sword of shame. This is a heavy topic. Shame is a complex and a very interesting phenomenon because it begins so early in life. Some of the things that we struggle with the most today, their origin lies in moments of deep shame that occurred as early as two years old, three years old, five years old. Things that happen to us that make us possibly for the first time say, oh my gosh, is who I am not okay? Is there something wrong with me? Am I bad? These are the feelings that elicit shame. These are the fears that elicit shame. And I heard the term recently that as adults, we will go through events or even the slightest thing that somebody says can act as an echo, as the original source of shame or a significant trauma, and it can bring us right back to those moments. It can bring us right back to our automatic thoughts around it. Oh my gosh, something's wrong. There's something wrong with me. I'm bad. I did something bad. It's that ingrained. And not only is it mental and emotional, right? We hold emotional feelings around it, but it's also physical. Shame has a very specific sensation to it. It has almost this 
reverberation throughout your body as if you've been stunned, right? Shame always reminds me of being stunned. Like, oh my gosh, oh God, I can't, I can't believe I just got called out for that. I can't believe I just messed that up. I can't believe someone just said that to me, just whew, this wave of shame. I, I'd like to give an example because I think it's also important to distinguish between shame and embarrassment. I consider the two to be different and I'll explain why. When I think of embarrassment, it's when we have a certain feeling, we feel self-conscious about something we did, right? Let's say we're carrying a tray of food and we drop it on the floor, we're waitressing, everybody stops and looks at us and we feel, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I just dropped this tray. I've been working this job for a while. I should be doing better, whatever might be going through our heads. So it's to me, embarrassment is more about a situation. Whereas the thing about shame that makes it a bit insidious is that it's a sense that we are something that's bad rather than we did something that's bad or wrong or shameful, embarrassing. I, the first time I remember feeling shame was when I was in third grade. Actually, I know I experienced it many times before that, but I just want to give this because I think it's a good illustration. I was in my third grade class and my third grade teacher was awesome. He was my first male teacher and he had a bunch of like snakes and animals in his classroom. He had a rope, like a gym rope, and we would climb it and ring the bell. And he had this candy machine where you would like get to take cranks on the candy machine if you did well at something or got a math problem right or something. And it had peanut M&Ms. I remember that. And I just thought he was so cool. His name was Mr. Clark. And he was also very big into taking us outside and doing exercises and different stuff on like the different competitions on the jungle gym and stuff like that. And I remember so well, I had won this competition about who could like go across the bars the quickest. And I was by far the fastest and woo, everybody was excited for me. And I was on this little third grade high (laughs) and we go back in the classroom and we sat down to go through the dictionary about something. We were doing a vocabulary lesson. And I was just in my own world, like, woo, that was like on that endorphin high. And I just started coloring. I had crayons and just was mindlessly coloring in in the dictionary, just thinking about how exciting that was, wasn't really noticing it. And he, in front of the whole class, he says, Whitney, he says, what do you think you're doing? He says, are you planning to pay for that book? Do you think that it's okay for you to just draw all over that dictionary that doesn't belong to you? And I felt the blood just drain from my face. I felt like I got punched in the stomach. I felt that reverberation through my whole body, right? That sense of it's like dread, it's fear, it's terrible. We all know that feeling of shame. And I'll never forget that feeling. I loved him, but I felt like that was a bit out of line. And it has reminded me ever since the importance of not calling people out in public. Public humiliation is a huge source of deep trauma in people. It's an unnatural way to feel Because by nature, we we want to fit in with our peers. And especially at that young of an age, to be called out in a classroom or in a group is so humiliating and so shameful that it creates this deep-seated fear and belief that, oh God, there's something wrong with me. And it really sticks with you. That's why bullying is so profoundly impactful on young kids. So for me, 
I always think of that when I think of shame, because when I've had moments of shame since then, it's that same sort of sensation where something runs through my body. And I noticed that I have shame as sort of a go-to, as I was talking about echoes, right? Like something will happen that's akin to that. I get called out for something. You, you all probably know this, the feeling where you get called into the principal's office or you get called into your boss's office. I also remember one of my first jobs after I got licensed, I was working at a psychiatry clinic and the head psychiatrist, who was the owner, one day came and opened the door to my office and said, hey, Whitney, I need to talk to you for a second about something. And my body just filled with dread, that shock of shame, that sensation through my body just ran through me because my immediate reaction to somebody calling me out is, oh God, I did something wrong. I did something bad. I knew it. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not qualified to be a therapist. And he just had some question about my schedule. But I thought for sure he was going to tell me like, hey, listen, nobody likes you. (laughs) You're not doing a good job here. You got to go. So that's what shame can do. It can create a sense of belief about ourselves. And that's what's so damaging about it is that it festers. It becomes like this go-to. And I also remember like throughout you know, my teenage years into my 20s, I would go into this slump if I felt any kind of shame. Like if I felt called out, if I felt like I did something bad, I would just go into this like defeated mode. So I'm just wanted to illustrate one, the difference between embarrassment and shame and how shame can really get you early on. And I really attribute to it the first time that children start to question their value and worth. And I don't place blame on anybody Parents, I believe, do the best they can. Parents get frustrated. They scream at their kids. They get overwhelmed. But when we call them out for something and, and shame them, it be it really does create this complex of oh gosh, I did I'm a bad I did something bad. There's I'm bad. See, there's a big difference between I sorry there's a big difference between I did something bad and I am bad. And shame creates the I am bad complex. And there's actually been a lot of really great research and books written about shame in the past decade or so, which I think is so fantastic because it's really necessary to shed light, again, on just how impactful this is on our psychic energy, on our mental health. It's uh, just pretty brutal. And I actually received this fantastic book from a woman who I'm going to interview in two weeks, Her name is Monica Berg, and she wrote the book Rethink Love, Three Steps to Being the One, Attracting the One, and Becoming the One. But it's a roundabout way of learning to see, like, where are your vulnerable spots? Where are you reactive to certain things? And one of the topics she gets into is managing and dealing with our shame before we're able to really connect with somebody and be really intimate with somebody emotionally and not be super reactive. And The way that she describes shame, I really appreciated. She said, shame means we think there is something so awful about us that if other people discovered it, we would no longer be worthy of a connection to them. This is a painful way to live. And that is exactly how I feel about shame, that we get this idea that, oh my gosh, I am just like really terrible. And if people find out, they're not going to like me. And so we live in this fear of being called out or being shamed because we think, oh gosh, now I'm going to be kicked out of the pack. I'm going to be not allowed in this circle of people that I love because I'm just so terrible and not worthy. And we can also feel shame, not just from things that people call us out for, but who we are 
fundamentally, right? Like, let's say we have this tendency to, you know, get angry sometimes or to be a little bit selfish. We can get, we can develop shame around our tendencies and think, gosh, no one is, no wonder nobody cares about me. There's just some, I'm just so awful. So it really is a painful way to live because by nature, we are hundred percent always loved and safe by divine source, whatever you want to call it. It's just facts. <laughs> but when we believe that we're not, then it's literally how you might define hell because hell is feeling a lack of connection and not knowing that we're always loved. You know, I just keep picturing like those, a sad little puppy who didn't know what they did wrong and they got kicked and beaten and left outside in the cold, which happens way too often and is so sad. And they say, what did I do? I must be so bad. There must be something so wrong with me. And if we found that puppy, we would say, oh my gosh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfect. You didn't do anything wrong. That person just was having their own struggles and fears and emotions they couldn't handle. They took it out on you. And it's not to say that we're not that we're never at fault. We might act out of character, but I personally don't support shaming. And it's interesting because this has come up a lot in the past few years with how contentious people have gotten about various um, societal issues, right? Where some people feel like it's okay to shame others who vote for a certain person or who choose to get or not get certain things. (laughs) And they think it's appropriate to shame. And I think shame is never appropriate. And I remember I was dating this guy in 2020 at the height of a lot of this stuff. And he, we were discussing this and he was talking about how he likes to go on the internet and call people out for different things. And I said, I, I, why would you do that? And I said, I just, I'm sorry, but I just, I do not believe in shaming. I don't care what somebody did. I don't care what you think of them. I just don't ever believe it's appropriate. And he said, well, I think it's absolutely appropriate. They should know that it's not acceptable. That's the only way they know. And I just personally feel like there's a lot of ways to convey to somebody that you don't agree with their opinions than to shame them. That's just cruel to me. Uh, you can, I think everything needs to come from love. I think the second someone gets shamed, they shut down and it's no way you break the lines of communication. Anyways, needless to say, he and I didn't last long and I was pretty turned off by that. Also, of course, Dr. Brene Brown has been a big resource and figure who did a ton of research on shame that brought forth interesting results. Some of Brene Brown's concepts that she brought forward was that shame is universal, something that we all experience. The only people that she feels don't experience shame are ones who are just completely detached emotionally, that they would have to have sociopathy or a personality disorder, because otherwise we all have this sense of, I want to be a good person. I want to be loved. And when that's, we feel compromised or challenged or taken away, we feel shame. And she also brought to light a lot of how afraid people were to talk about shame because it feels kind of gross and shameful secrets. We bury them away and then they grow stronger and that only by not keeping them a secret, they can't grow. So she was really trying to encourage people like, let's talk about our shame. Let's bring it up. Let's air it out so we can heal and move forward. And shame can also lurk in some more, some other areas of our life, like our body image, right? Parenting, addiction, sex, aging, These are all concepts that Monica Monica brings up in her book, and I completely agree. I mean, talk about like body image. I remember having days where I didn't want to leave the house because my weight was up a little bit. That's when I was in the depths of my eating disorder. 
And it's a sh- it's shame. I, when I gained weight, I felt such shame. Like, oh my gosh, I screwed everything up. I messed everything up. Everybody's going to look at me and think I look disgusting. It's about thinking that we need to earn our worthiness. And when we get called out, we feel, oh my gosh, I knew it. I'm not worthy. So I think it's important to be very mindful and to explore what is your shame point? What's that place inside of you, that nerve, that shame nerve that when it gets hit, just sends that reverberation through your body? Because we all have different ones, right? For me, it's when I feel like I get called out for being a little bit oblivious, right? Like not noticing somewhere where someone's like, Whitney, how are you paying attention? Like that, because it all goes back to that teacher, I'm telling you. It's like if somebody calls me out, I just feel like, oh my God, I'm such, I'm so dumb. I'm an idiot. I, you know, oh gosh, it's it's such a terrible feeling. Just saying it <laughs> reminds me how terrible it feels. And it just, it, it's, it is like you get sick to your stomach. I remember one time I was at, it was some event with food. I know that much because I, almost nothing can deter my appetite. <laughs> I love food. There are very few things that take it away, but shame, there's nothing like shame in my experience to just immediately take away your appetite. Cause somebody, somebody said something to me, we we're sitting down to eat and they said something just so rude and shamed me for something that I had no control over. And I just like felt like I was going to throw up and I couldn't eat a bite and I just shut down. And that can be a shame response is to just shut down. Talking about this sword, we can feel motivated. We can feel ready to go. We can have a big meal we want to eat. And then somebody just hits that sword of shame and we can just collapse and say, forget it. I give up. I'm not hungry. I'm done. And just put that blindfold back on that that woman in the Eight of Swords has in the tarot. Find our little cage inside those eight swords and say, bye. I'm, I knew it. I'm bad. I'm worthless. Just put me to pasture. I'm out. It takes a lot of strength and courage to let that shame run from our body and then say, okay, I know that this is not true. That felt very real. It feels very painful when I get an echo of that shame, when I get hit with that lightning bolt of shame. Yet I know that my truth is that I'm always worthy. I'm always loved. I had things happen in my life that made me question that and they still live within me a little bit, yet I'm working to heal them. I'm working to release them so that when I get called out, when I feel shameful about who I am, about what I believe, I know that I can let it run through me and reclaim myself and say, you know, but this is what I believe and I'm going to speak to it even if people want to shame me for it or make fun of me for it. I'm going to move through the shame. I'm going to reclaim my wholeness my perfection, and know that nobody can touch that. And also, I'm going to honor that I would I don't believe in shaming. So if somebody else does it to me, then it feels like that's not really an energy I want to be in anyways. So it's like when people say, what do you care of the opinions of someone who you don't respect? Somebody said that once or something to that regard. It was like, if you wouldn't ask somebody for advice, then why would you care what they have to say about you. Like if they're not somebody where you value their opinion, who cares what their opinion of is of you? And I wish (laughs) that I could hold that to be true, but I still get caught up in the opinions of people who I know dang well uh, don't really matter too much to me because I don't respect them very much. 
And the people that I do respect, I feel honor and respect me for the most part. They might think a certain way, one way or the other, another. But as I've said before, what people say about me behind my back is none of my business. What people say about me in rooms that I'm not in, none of my business. As far as I know, it's not even happening. It, you can still get sucked into those wormholes, right? I had that thought the other day. I was like, God, can you imagine if you just sat down and watched a movie of like all the things people have said about you behind your back? And I thought, Whitney, don't go there. Because <laughs> that's a big old wormhole that you don't want to go down. Talk about shame, right? And just imagine like, well, what did they say? Uh, uh. And that to me is a part of the path. And that to me is getting out of these eight of swords. We have to make big decisions and big declarations. We have to be done with things, you guys. And this is that year. I'm telling you, 2024 is the year we say, I am done. I'm done with it. I'm done with trying to entertain and explore what people might not like about me. I'm done believing in my shame. I'm done entertaining shame and shutting down from shame. I honor my feelings through my body, but I love myself so much that I hold myself in those moments of shame. And I say, hey, I know that hurt. I know. And I know your little third grade self is still feeling like, why, why did he do that? And is there something wrong? Am I a bad person? No, you're not a bad person. No, you're not bad yourself. They just said something that they really didn't need to say in a public manner. And then I move on. And I do really feel that this is the year to do that. And you, the other problem with shame is, is it also is a big fuel for our negative thoughts. Because that shame incident, cre again, creating that belief of, oh, God, there's something wrong with me. I'm bad. We'll take it into any situation. And that's another big shift I believe that 2024 holds is we got to get out of these negative mental loops, y'all. I, <laughs> it's been a weird week. Uh, some stuff was going on with my poor baby girl, her, my puppy dog. She um, is having some incontinence. She's getting older. She's 12 and a half. So I spent most of one day at the vet with her, just got her test results back. Nothing out of the normal. Uh, what? Is that right? <laughs> Nothing out of the ordinary. They look good. She's probably just getting older. She might be having some kidney issues. And then another day I went to the dentist and found out I need a bunch of work done, just that kind of week and some other weird things. And like two days ago, I saw 666 like four times. I was seeing it and I was like, all right, I, my personal belief about the number 666 is it just shows when you're kind of imbalanced between the physical and the spiritual, when we're maybe too much in the ego, too, we're getting off course a little bit, caught up in things that aren't really aligned with our true highest path. And I was like, well, what is it? <laughs> you know, like, what am I doing here? I feel like I'm just taking care of my dog, taking care of myself. I'm doing this right. You know, I don't know if you guys ever do that, but sometimes I like talk to my guides. I'm like, hey, I feel like I'm doing pretty well here. What's the deal? And then no joke, the next morning, I have this tarot channel that I love. It's called Truth Well Told Tarot. Lovely channel if anybody's into watching tarot readings online on YouTube. And she does these little angel messages every morning where she pulls just one card, different cards every time, could be an oracle card, could be a number card, whatever. And yesterday, the day after I saw 666, like four times, she's going to pull a card and she's like, I'm pulling from my numerology deck. And I was like, oh, I bet you it has sixes in it. And no joke, she just flat out pulls the card for 666. <laughs> and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And listen to what it says though. Six, 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 six. 
This card says, release the internal battle of negativity that is sabotaging your life goals. Exclamation mark. Now is the time to shift your perspective and control your negative thoughts. I wanted to share this little excerpt, this little story, because again, where do those negative thoughts come from? Why do we get so attached to them? A lot of it at its root, at its source is from moments of shame in our life, specifically often from early incidences. Can we make those incidences go away? No, they're a part of our past. But when we can identify them, it helps us to set it free a little bit. It helps us to realize I was just a little kid and I didn't know how to process feeling so hurt and so called out and so humiliated and questioning my worth and value that I created a whole complex around it that today leads me to be way more negative than I need to be. It's time to release that. We can do it now. We're safe now. We're not going to have our third grade teacher calling us out. (laughs) And if anybody would like to reach out to me and share your stories of shame, I just think it's interesting to share because we all have them. And sometimes it's nice to just like hear other people's and be like, oh my gosh, like, yes, that happened to me too. And I didn't, because here's the thing, another reason I'm offering this is sometimes we don't realize how big of an impact these things have. I'll give you one more example because it also ties into another valuable tool, which I had Jennifer Spohr on my show recently. She does Akashic Records readings. Beautiful episode, beautiful human, Jennifer Spohr, very talented. Akashic Records, very powerful. I had this woman a few years ago, also an Akashic Records reader. We were friends, and so she offered me a free reading. And she was like, she went into my emotional library, as they call it, and I thought she was going to bring something out from, you know, like the BC 200 or something and way back in the day and crazy. And she was like, nope. She's like, it's all of your issues are based in this lifetime. I was like, what? What? No way. And she's like, yep, because we have the keeper of the Akashic Records. And she was like, yeah, he's saying, make no mistake, it is from this lifetime. And she told me, she said, I'm, she said, something happened to you and you're younger. She's like, I'm seeing this woman. She has long hair. It's like pulled back in a ponytail. She's angry. She's frustrated. And my jaw just dropped. I was like, are you serious? When I was probably younger than, I was probably in first grade, I lived in a, you know, the typical 90s uh, neighborhood. I'm sure they still have neighborhoods like this, but it just feels so like tied to the 90s where we all like rode our bikes around and hanged out, hung out at each other's houses before the day of cell phones. And we all just watched Nickelodeon and TGIF. Oh, <laughs> the good old days. And our neighbor behind us had, um, this woman had two sons. One was my age, my age and my brother's age. And one was younger, my same age as my younger brother. And we, we made a fence between our houses or no, sorry. We made a gate in the fence between our houses. Cause we were always going back and forth. It was lovely. It was fun. But one time I was over there and it was just me and this woman, the mom and her youngest son. And he and I were playing around joking, like play fighting. And then we were like lying on our backs, like kicking each other with our legs, like just like play fighting with our legs. And she was like, stop it. And we kept doing it. And then she was like, you guys need to stop. And we kept doing it. And then she came over to me and grabbed my shoulders and shook me and dragged me out of her house and said, I told you to stop. I think she was having a hard time (laughs) because that's not an appropriate way to treat a child who is at your house, who's, you know, eight years old. But again, parenting is very stressful. And I can imagine that there are times where they just break. And she dragged me out of her house and she threw me out. And she said, you're, you know, you're, you're not listening. And you're but she, not acknowledging that it was her and our son, her son. My point is, 
I was shocked. I also was sh- felt so much shame and fear. Like, oh my God, like, am I that? She's making me out to be like an evil villain. Am I really that bad? We were, we were both playing. We both weren't listening. And I just walked home like so shook. And just, I remember just going and sitting in my room and not knowing how to process it. Like, I didn't think that at the time, right? I'm a child, but just feeling like, what the heck was that? And this woman was saying that that was like my main point in my life that I learned one, that there was something wrong with me, that I was a bad person, but also to not trust myself because I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. But from that moment on, I really feel like I lost my ability to trust because that's been one of my biggest issues in this lifetime. For, For many years, it's not like this anymore, but anything that I did, I would turn to others and be like, was that okay? Was that okay what I said? Do you think, do, okay, I, I did this. Do you think, what do you think about that? And I, did, I just didn't trust that I could know for myself that what I did, what I said, who I was, was okay. And that's what shame can do to you at such a young age. Because at a fundamental level, it makes us question, again, often for the first time, we're these happy, carefree kids. And the first time we get shamed, we're like, oh God, like maybe my worthiness is conditional. Maybe my lovability is conditional. And I have to micromanage my life because I, I, I don't want it taken away. I'm not trying to be dramatic, <laughs> even though I might sound that way. But I'm saying this because some of you might relate. And I'm saying this because some of you might look back at your life and say, oh my gosh, I never thought about that. But this one time when my uncle, my teacher, my sister said this, it really hit me. And I didn't realize that it might still be hitting me, might be echoing coming back as an echo when other incidents happen in my life. The truth will set you free. It's a true statement. And I don't mean that the second you identify the epicenter, the source of your main shame, that it will go away. But I mean that it helps us to begin to work on releasing it and recognizing that it's just a farce. It was just a false notion that echoes continuously and we can learn to shift away from it and eventually release it completely and not associate incidences similar to that with being shameful or unworthy. Another thing I wanted to share is that another individual who brought attention to shame is a fabulous man. His name is TJ Woodward, and he wrote the book Conscious Recovery. Conscious Recovery is an alternative to some other approaches to treating addiction and a program that's an alternative to traditional 12 steps programs. I was going to 12 steps for four years when I met TJ. I met him in the Bay Area, California, at a networking event. Loved him. We hit it off. And he said, let's have coffee. Wouldn't you know it? I had just started questioning whether AA was something I wanted to stay involved with. I was starting to question some of the messaging around it, whether it still felt effective for me, whether it was something I still felt I wanted, because I was feeling drawn towards more spiritual concepts, and I was no longer connecting as much with some of the other stuff in AA. We sit down, we have coffee, and I kind of share this with TJ, and he's like, oh, I did AA for 20 years, and then I created Conscious Recovery, and I never looked back. He said, I believe that people can move on, they can evolve, and I felt like there was an alternative way to offer recovery and treatment to people. And in no way do either of us disagree with AA, but we just had hit this point where we're like, I think I've, I'm done. I've, it feels complete for me. I'm moving on. So he created conscious recovery, which is the concept that, because he wanted to create something more spiritual based. And he, in his theory, he says that there are three root causes of addiction. 
One is spiritual disconnect. Two is toxic shame. And the third is unresolved trauma. So I just want to bring that up because for one, I want to honor him for shedding light on toxic shame because his thing was that he was associating that we experience trauma. It goes unresolved. And from that, we develop shame. I'm so shameful because this happened to me. And that's another aspect of shame, right? It doesn't just have to be a time that we got called out that we were shamed by someone else. It can be something that happens to us that we hold shame around, right? Think of someone who was abused, be it physically, sexually, and it feels so unfathomable, so disruptive to someone's concept of themselves, of their safety, that they don't think they can tell anybody. So they hold it in. And that's what he calls toxic shame is this belief that, oh my God, I could never tell anybody what happened to me because what if I am not accepted? What if they shun me? And so I hold this shame around what happened to me. So I I probably could have made that additional aspect of shame known earlier in this episode, but it's not just being shamed by others about who we are, about our beliefs. That's definitely a part of it, but it's also having shame around things that happen to us in our life that we feel we can't tell people. So we hold it deep down. So to TJ, I'm grateful that he created that, that beautiful offering to the world and also is shedding light on the nature and impact of shame. Another source that I want to offer that was the thing that really gave me the light bulb about how I my almost like my nervous system had gotten used to that feeling of shame and almost sought it out. It's interesting, but even the things that we dread the most, it's almost like we seek it out because we get used to that. They call it um, a hit of shame. Like we almost seek out a hit of shame. And this program is actually, it's a 12 step program called ACA, which is adult children of alcoholics. Now this is for people who grew up in a alcoholic household, yet it's not limited to that. It's also anyone who just grew up in a dysfunctional or chaotic household, which as a therapist, I've learned most people identify as growing up in a chaotic or toxic household. Just saying there are only so many people who who will say, and, and I find this too, my childhood was beautiful. It was healthy. It was loving fantastic. Let's have more of that. Many of us feel that we grew up in a chaotic, dysfunctional household. There are repercussions of that. There are after effects of that. If that's you, I would encourage you to look up online. I'm actually including this in the show notes, the the laundry list, the ACA laundry list, which is 14 components of behaviors and tendencies and beliefs that somebody who grew up in that kind of environment hold. And I just found it really helps people to recognize why they might have certain behaviors, why they might act in a certain way or perceive themselves or life in a certain way. And just to name a few, because if it resonates with you, you might want to look it up. The first, or one of them is we became approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. We are frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. We either become alcoholics, marry them, or find compulsive personalities such as workaholic. We have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility, and it's easier for us to be concerned with others rather than ourselves. We feel guilt when we stand up for ourselves. We become addicted to excitement We confuse love and pity and tend to love people we can pity and rescue. 
We have stuffed our feelings from traumatic childhoods and have lost the ability to feel or express our feelings. We judge ourselves harshly and have a very low sense of self-esteem. So I just wanted to read those because I know when I found that list, I was like, yes, yes, yes. yeah." I was like, wait, what? can you explain why? Like, and that's what, and then they have what's called the, the big red book of ACA. I found it very powerful. You don't have to do the program to look at that list and get that book. Just a suggestion. I actually use that as a resource that I offer to a lot of clients because it, it's a really beautiful resource. It just, I had so many light bulb moments, like the one that talked about having this addiction to shame. Like go, it was like your go-to thing. Cause here's what it is. It's, is it confirmation biased or whatever it is when like the thing that you think is true happens and part of you is almost relief, relieved, right? It's like, yes, there it is. Shame me, <laughs> make me feel shamed. I knew it. I needed, I needed that. It sounds weird and gross, but it's true. It's true that when we've come to feel shameful about who we are, it feels validating of our self-concept to feel shame. So we almost seek out hits of shame. That blew my mind and changed a lot of my thinking and really sent me on a new path just to ask myself, is that, do you want to keep this up? <laughs> like, how can we disconnect from this? So I know people listening might connect with this, might resonate. I hope those resources might be helpful. I'm including them on the links. Rethink the book by Monica Berg. Conscious Recovery by T.J. Woodward, the ACA book, and of course, Brene Brown's work on shame. All right, you guys, there's the fifth sword. Let's yank that one out too. And again, you know, it might take time. And as I've said, some swords are going to be harder to pull out than others. Different swords are going to be more powerful to us. They're going to be at a higher degree of difficulty than others, a higher degree of constraint. Yet shame is pretty present for a lot of people, not everybody. If you haven't experienced that terrible shame feeling, then that's a blessing. That's a beautiful thing. If you have, there are ways to release it from our nervous system. Somatic work is really helpful in releasing that toxic shame because, as I said, it really does sort of reverberate through your body at a cellular level, through your nervous system. It's a nervous system response. Okay. I hope this was helpful. Have a beautiful day. I'll be back next week with The Sixth Sword. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.